name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I love this day. Uh, this is one of the, the busier days on our liturgical calendar. We have these different themes and images and rituals that all interweave to form what we call Candlemas. And it's, it's sort of a new feast for us at St. Bees, but it's one of the oldest in the church calendar. Christians have been keeping this feast for over 1,500 years, since at least the 4th century in Jerusalem, where the events in today's gospel all took place. And today commemorates two things. It commemorates, first, the purification of the BVM, Someone, um, not long after I got here, sent me, I think it was a photograph of Bev Mahan, um, and she had a sash on that had the letters BVM, which she said meant Blessed Verger Mahan. <laughs> so we're not commemorating Bev today, it's, it's the Blessed Virgin Mary, so the commemoration of the BVM, the Blessed Virgin Mary. Secondly, we're remembering the presentation of our Lord in the temple. Purification, presentation, plus it's Groundhog Day. Uh, apparently, if you say the date forward and backward, it forms a palindrome. For the, it's the only time that'll happen all year. I should give you like 30 seconds to all write it. You're all going like this. You can write it on your bulletins and see 0202-2020. And it's Super Bowl Sunday, but who cares? Because the Pats and Titans aren't playing. <laughs> So we can just focus on what we're doing here this morning and not allow our minds to wander to the game. What I want to do in the next seven or eight minutes is spend the, the teaching portion of this liturgy looking more closely at Luke's gospel. Luke's story combines these two Jewish rituals, the presentation of the firstborn and the purification of a woman after childbirth. And I want to unpack them both, starting with the presentation. Presentation. Remember back to the Exodus. We're going all the way back to the Exodus. Ever since that time, the firstborn in Israel were special, in that they belonged to God. They were given over to God, any firstborn child of any family. But under the law... In Exodus 13, the Jews, a Jewish family could go and go to the temple and buy back or redeem their firstborn son when he was 40 days old by offering a particular sacrifice in the temple. That was the presentation. The second ritual, though, is the, the purification of Mary. It's also old. It goes back to uh, Leviticus. It said the mother of a male child, of a, of a male child, would be ceremonially unclean for those 40 days, for 40 days after her delivery, when she was to go and take the priest a lamb to sacrifice on her behalf for atonement in the temple. Notice, one of the, I think one of the most touching parts of this the story is that Mary and Joseph didn't bring a lamb because they couldn't afford a lamb. The law allowed in the case of a poor family that instead of a lamb, you could bring two birds. And that's what Mary and Joseph brought. Two birds to sacrifice 
for a family that was poor. So two rituals, presentation and purification, both ancient, both important, one to redeem a son, one to purify a mother. But there's one word I want you to think about in association with both. And the word is shadow. Shadow. They were just shadows or hints of what Luke is really wanting us to see in telling this particular story in this particular way with Simeon and Anna. Because shadows have no substance. There's no there there to them. There's no reality. And neither did these rites. They could not do what they were supposed to do. Because both used animal sacrifice, animal blood, to atone for human sin. If you read Hebrews 10, it will tell you that animals could never, by being sacrificed, make right the sins of human beings. It did not work that way. These rites were just shadows of the real sacrifice hidden in the story, the lamb. Still hidden, held in swaddling clothes, held in Simeon's arms. The child would be that sacrifice. One day would give one oblation of himself once offered. A full, perfect, and sufficient sacrifice, oblation, and satisfaction for the sins of the whole world, to use our Eucharistic prayer. The baby in Simeon's arms was the light that would drive away the old rituals, the old insubstantial shadows that they were, and do what they never could, which is offer the perfect sacrifice, both priest and victim, on the altar of the cross. That's what these feasts are about. So, application. This reconciliation that the child brought, the sacrifice the child would give, it's for you and it's for me. I mean, it is right there. But we can't simply sit and wait for it to come to us. We have a part to play as well. Uh, you must have noticed Simeon's warning to Mary, this beautiful um, warning that he gives to her. He says, the child that he held was destined for the falling and rising of many in Israel, to be a sign that will be opposed so the thoughts of many hearts would be revealed, their inner thoughts. And he said, a sword will pierce your own soul too. What is that about? Well, clearly, it's just think about Mary's life. I mean, clearly, it's about her sorrows. The church sometimes calls them the seven sorrows of Mary. It's about her sorrows, but it's about us as well, I think. Michael Wilcox, in his little commentary on Luke's gospel, says that Simeon's warning to Mary tells us that the universal offer to salvation does not mean that it will be received by everyone indiscriminately or automatically. It is offered to all, but it must be considered and accepted by each. It is a universal offer, but it brings a personal challenge. There will be those who speak against this sign of God's love offered to them, for it searches men's hearts. Some will be scandalized by a salvation which can only be achieved by the way of the cross. The sword will pierce Mary's soul. There's none to whom the message of the gospel is not directed. 
Luke, having concentrated this great gift of God in the Lord Jesus alone, now extends it to the whole human race and to each person in particular and requires men to ask themselves whether they have accepted it or are yet rejecting it. That is the question on the floor. Have we accepted the gift or are we still resisting it? Because these stories, Luke's story challenges us to bring what is old in us and exchange it for what Jesus wants to offer, this new life that he offers. And maybe, maybe you are clinging to the old. Maybe it's the old idea that you have to appease God to, to, make, to, to do something to earn God's favor because although you know the Bible says that God loves you, you're not entirely sure that he likes you very much. So you're wearing yourself out to be a good son, a good daughter, so that the God who loves you will like you. The blood of Mary's sacrifice could not atone for her and nothing we do can atone for ourselves. So Jesus takes the old image of a God who must be appeased and superimposes himself so that now we see a God who loves us infinitely, a God who has our names, Psalm says, carved in the palms of his hands like the scars that Jesus had in his palms and that longs to redeem us, to buy us back, like a firstborn. Research tells me in this room there are three types of people. One, it's a handful of people that have believed God's promise, have accepted this gift that God gives. We're already living the new life that God offers. There's a second group, be a handful of us, that have never accepted the gift. And so to them, Jesus says again, I love you. Will you open your hands and let me take the shards of your life and give you new life? By all means, if this is you, then come and send me an email this week. Be baptized. Begin to live the new life that Jesus offers. But the third group, the third group is the hardest group. And it's probably where most of us find ourselves. I know it's where I find myself. Baptized. Members in good standing of this parish, fine, respectable Episcopalians. But our fists are clenched. We still cling to pieces of our old life that God wants to take away. I have pieces of myself that I don't want to give up. Maybe you do too. If that is your group, if it is my group, then we need today's two feasts. Presentation and purification. Present yourself at God's temple and let his purifying love begin to transform your heart. Open your fists and let go of the parts of yourself that he has not yet healed and accept the life he offers. Because you see, Simeon knew Anna knew. They saw the salvation prepared before the foundation of the world, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of God's people, Israel. See what they saw. Open your eyes and then open your hands. 
consider that an invitation. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit.